Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. So we ended this last week by saying, Paul said, If ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. When we got saved, we became children of God, children of Abraham, and all the blessings that were given to Abraham through his seed, Jesus Christ, have now been manifest or to be manifest in our lives. Today, we're going to look at what that means. In Galatians chapter 4, we're going to talk about making a choice between living under the bondage of the law or living in grace. And that's what this book is all about. It's Mother's Day, and it's interesting that we're actually going to be talking about two different mothers. One is Sarah, and the other one is a woman named Hagar. In the Bible, the Bible tells us, in fact, Paul, at the end of this chapter, is going to tell us and use as an allegory this story, the true story in the Bible that took place like 3,900 years ago of Abraham. Abraham uh, was a servant of God. God called him out at the age of 75 and said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. He said at the age of 82, he made a promise, and we talked about that promise last week, that uh, I'm going to make a great nation from you. He's 82 years old. He's married to Sarah, who's just a few years younger than him. And the, the question for them is, how's this going to work? Now, that's not an unusual question. They're 80, uh, he's 82 years old. How is this going to work? She's past childbearing years. He's an old guy. How in the world is God going to do this? And so they start trying to figure out how this is going to work. And so she comes up with an idea. Look, I can't have kids. Uh, so why don't you take my handmaid and have a child by my handmaid. So Abraham is married according to God's plan to one woman named Sarah. But then Abraham violates God's plan and he takes, he takes Hagar as his concubine. Now listen, anytime you mess up, mess with God's plan, anytime you try to figure out how God's going to do it and you try to help God out with his plan, you're going to mess things up. And that's exactly what took place. Abraham takes, uh, takes Hagar and from Hagar a child is born. That child is Ishmael. Ishmael is born, again, contrary to God's plan, he is born according to the flesh. He is, uh, he is of the flesh. It's, this is something totally and completely schemed up by Abraham and Sarah. And because of that, there's problems. 
problems take place when we start doing things in the flesh. He is a problem child. In fact, throughout the life of of Abraham and Isaac, he is going to cause problems, and then there's going to be problems throughout the centuries, even up till now. He, because he's a problem child, needs the law to constrain him. Since there's nothing inward that's constraining him, there's got to be outward law that constrains him. And so Ishmael is a child after the flesh. There's problems. There's the law. There's bondage. He feels the bondage. He is, mar- he is the son of a bond slave. He feels bondage. He has to do what he has to do. It's not a joy to be living as the son of Abraham. What he's doing, he's doing under bondage. When you're under bondage, you become self-serving. You think, I've just got to get out of this. I've got to do whatever I can to protect me. It's all about me. And that is the story of Ishmael. And because of that, the Bible tells us this. When God was speaking to Hagar, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of him. But here's what's going to happen. He's going to be a wild man. And he's going to be at war with everybody around him. Instead of being a, cur- a blessing to others, he is a curse to others. This is one family. This is, this is someone who is born under the law. Paul is going to use this again as an illustration. and It's going to come at the end of the chapter, but it's important that we know this at the beginning. Sarah has a son named Isaac. Now Isaac, she, he's, he's not born until Abraham is 100 years old. It's 100 years old, and through Sarah, who's not much younger, I think about nine years younger, Sarah has Isaac. Now, Isaac is totally different from Ishmael. When, Ishmael, when, when Isaac is born, Ishmael's about 13 years old, and Ishmael makes fun of Isaac and of Sarah. He is a child of promise. It has nothing to do with the flesh. This wasn't something they schemed up. God promised him, and so he's... He's a promised child, and because of that, he has purpose. He has a reason for existence. He has a reason for living, and he grows up knowing, this is my purpose, this is what I'm living for. Isaac is a child of faith. He is is given to, to Abraham because Abraham was a man of faith, a man that believed God. Not a perfect man. We see that. He, he He almost messed everything up. But he's a child of faith. Isaac, the promise, the purpose, faith, he, he is not under bondage. When a child is born understanding the promises of God, understanding that his purpose in life, he is living by faith, he, he feels at liberty. There's no, he's not doing what he has to do for Abraham because he has to do it. He's doing it because he loves Abraham. He's a child of liberty. And then what happens when you're that way, you just naturally begin to serve others. You serve others. And and what happens is exactly what God said would happen. He becomes a blessing to everyone. Isaac is a blessing to everyone. God blesses him. So you have this line 
We have the flesh. You have problems. You have the law. You have bondage. You, you're self-serving. You're cursing others. You can't find any joy in life. It's always, oh, man. Oh, man, i got to get through this. You don't like to be around people. You don't, everything is just a burden. Everything, is, everything I do for God is just a big burden. And what, what Paul is going to point out at the end of this chapter is that's you under the law. This is exactly what you're like if you're serving God because you have to please Him. Well, you have to do this thing and you have to do that thing. And oh, I, It's not I get to go to church, I, I got to go to church. It's not, oh man, this is going to be a joy. It's, oh man. It's, it's hold the fort for I am coming. Jesus, lingo still. Oh God, we're enduring. It's, it's the difference between that and, and happy am I. Jesus is mine forever. This is you under the law, and this is you under grace. This is you understanding the promises of God, understanding the purposes of God, living your life by faith, realizing you have freedom to do whatever you want to, but you're, you want to serve the Lord. This is you serving others. This is you being a blessing to others. And Paul, in this chapter, wants to say to the Galatians, listen, live under grace and not under the law. That brings us to our theme statement. So let's read this together. God wants us to understand this. Let's say it together. I am a messenger sent by God to deliver the great news of salvation. I have been delivered from the bondage of this world and now enjoy the unconditional love and peace that comes from knowing God as my Father. This is joy. This is how God wants us to live. He wants us to understand this. It's not that I'm worn out, exhausted, beat up. Uh, it's, it's I am enjoying the life that God has given me and I am fulfilling God's plan. I'm a messenger of God. We're going to get right into chapter 4 now, but before we do, let's pray. Father, I pray you'll use this to open eyes, the eyes of our understanding, that we might walk out of here knowing and experiencing freedom. And if there's someone here that's depending on works to get them to heaven, God, open their eyes to the truth of salvation by grace through faith alone. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God tells us, first of all, that you have been made a child of God. And he wants you to understand that. Look in verses four, uh, no, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Here's what Paul says now. I say, he's in, in verse 29 of chapter 3, he says, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But he leaves us there. In chapter 4, he says, now listen that the heir, as long as he is a child, and that word child means a little child, a, a little, little kid. As long as he's a little child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Though he has an inheritance that's coming to him, and everything, he, that, that, everything that belongs to the Father is someday going to be his, not now. He's still under, he is a child, he's under age, he needs to be protected, he needs to be watched out for. But, in verse 2, he's under tutors, that is guardians, that is someone protecting his person, 
and governors. That's somebody who protects his possessions. He doesn't even have free access to all the possessions he has until the time appointed of the Father. Until the Father says, nope, he's no longer underneath anyone. He is now the master of the house just like me, and now you are his servants. Until that happens, until the Father declares that, he's still like a little child. In verse 3 it says, Even so, we, when we were children under, uh, in bondage under the elements of this world, but when the fullness of time was come, when did we become adult children? When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So Jesus came, he was virgin born, he was made under the law, he, and that is he, he fulfilled everything the law said would be true about him. He came to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive, and this is a very important statement, the adoption of children. The word in verse 4 that says that God sent forth his son is the same word that he uses, that Paul uses in verse 6 when he says, or in verse 5 when he says, we might receive the adoption of sons. It's the exact same word. And then in verse 6 it says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, that is daddy, father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, a full-grown son. And if a full-grown son, then an heir of the son through Christ. Now, oftentimes when we talk about being children, we think about, we think in terms of this. Jesus with all the children, they're all um, small children, and we're like little children at the feet of Jesus. But that is not the picture that Paul points out here. Paul says, you were like little children. You were like little children that were being protected and watched over. As, as little children, you were protected and you were watched over and you were cared for in your father's house. But when Jesus came, he delivered us from that position. And he made us grown-up sons and daughters. And he uses that term. We are now grown-up sons and daughters. So God doesn't look at you as this little child that he's carrying along. He looks at you more as, his, as brothers of Jesus Christ. You are, you are now co-equal. You are now working together with him. That he is still God, and we are, we are his children, but he's, he, he deliberately became what we are so that he could bring us to where he is. Now we are, according to Paul, we are full-grown adults for him. Jesus said it this way. He said, you think I'm doing great things? He said that I've done a lot, is what he's saying. I want you to understand I've done little compared to what you're all going to be doing. Because now, instead of just him doing it, his spirit has come and indwelled him and 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 him. So he can do through all of them what he could only do in one physical body while he was on this earth. 
But that's not just true of them. That's true of us. And he's writing to the Galatians and saying, listen, this is who you are. You have been made full-grown children of God. You are in a position of majesty. You are in a position where you are sons and daughters of God. And you need to grab a hold of that. You need to grab a hold of that truth. You're no longer under governors and tutors. You're, you, you are free from all of that. And that's where he goes in the next several verses. He says you've been delivered from the bondage of the laws. Look at verse 8 in your Bible and read with me verses 8 through 11. How be it then? When you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You used to serve yourself. You used to serve other gods. They were idol worshipers before. He said you used to serve things that were not really God. But, he says, things changed. Now, after that ye have known God, or rather that ye are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you serve, you desire again to be in bondage? He said you observe days and months and times and years. This was all legalistic teaching. People were teaching them, look, you got saved by grace, but now you've got to get circumcised if you're a man. You've got to obey. You've got to worship on the Sabbath. You've got to uh, follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament. You've got to do these Jewish things. You've got to do these things if you're going to please God. He said, why are you going back there? Why are you going back to the law? He says, you've been set free from all of that. He said, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestowed upon you labors in vain. He says, you used to serve false gods, and now you serve the living God. He says, you are his sons. You don't need to go through clerks. You don't need to go through, through something else. You have been freed from all these procedures in order to approach God. You can go directly to God. You're children of God. He's your father. Don't be pulled back into that nonsense, which was not nonsense. That was something God used before, but God's not using that anymore. I was in Disneyland with, with some of my grandchildren four or five years ago. And while I was there, a, uh, we, were, we, we got there. It was, a, it was a very, very busy day. Now, we don't normally go on very, very busy days. There is, there is busy days, and then there's very, very busy days at Disneyland. This was a very, very busy day. We pulled in. We got there a little late. And when we got there a little late, uh, we realized the parking garage was, was being renovated. And so how do you renovate a parking garage? But they were renovating the parking garage, and they were, they, there was a detour in the traffic, and you had to go down this, this road, and you had to drive down this road. And there's, I mean, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are wanting to get into the Disneyland parking lot and they can't and they're being directed down this road about a mile and then you turn left and you go down and it's just, it's just car after car after car, standstill traffic. We finally get down to the parking lot, had to ride a bus then back to 
uh, where we were supposed to get into Disneyland. We got there, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. We've, but we've driven four and a half hours to go through this misery, so we're going to do it. And so we, 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 get, we get into Disneyland, we, 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 and, and it's just like I thought it was going to be. It's jammed. It's jammed to, to, to the brink. And I'm thinking, this is not when we go to Disneyland. When we go to Disneyland, it's Tuesday in November. Uh, and it's raining. That's when we go. No, everybody's out of the park, and we're there. So, so, uh, so, but this wasn't that day, and, and we got in, and I thought, oh, this is crazy. I said to the, to the grandkids, we're not going to be able to ride very many rides. What do you want to ride first? And one of the kids said, I want to ride Peter Pan in Fantasyland. That's the worst ride in all of America. In fact, it's the worst line in the entire world. You go anywhere in the world, there's nothing longer than this line. And you, if, if, check me out. Uh, um, and then I don't care anyway. So, but uh, I was, so we go there and we're standing in this line. I'm telling you, this line just went back and back. My wife and I are standing in a line and I'm thinking, what did I get us into today? This is really crazy. As we're standing there, it's about 11 o'clock and, uh, and uh, my wife said, honey, I'm going to my favorite ride. My favorite ride is for my wife at Disneyland is a bench under a shade tree. And uh, so she said, she, she walked over to where the shade tree was, and there were some other people standing under the shade tree, and she's having a conversation with, it looked like two security guards from Disneyland. And uh, I, I look over, and I'm standing there in this line, and I'm thinking, that ride looks really good to me, too. And I said to all the grandkids and uh, to my daughter and son-in-law, I said, look, I said, I'm going over with mom. She looks lonely. And so I, I went and stood with her uh, at her favorite line, and uh, and, and while she was there, she was talking to these two, what I thought were security guards at, at uh, Disneyland. And so I thought, well, this is an opportunity to share the gospel. So I reached in my pocket. I said, hey, I said, can I give you something really? I started talking to them. I said, can I give you something really good? They said, what's that? And I reached in, and I handed one to one, and I handed another to another. I said, I wrote this. I said, because I went to church all my life. Nobody ever told me how I could know for sure I was going to heaven. When I found out what the Bible said, I wrote this. And so, and I hope you'll read it. And the one guy said, yeah, 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 okay. He put it away. It was nice about it. The other one said, huh. He said, that's great. You're a Christian. I said, yes, I am. He said, uh, he said you know, there's a group of us Christians here in Disneyland. He said, he said, he said the Matterhorn ride up there, he said, there is a gym in the middle of that, of that Matterhorn, a mountain. He said, he said, uh, he said on Wednesdays, Wednesday afternoons, we, we have a prayer meeting up there. He said, all these Christians. I said, that's amazing. That's, ter that's terrific. Thanks for telling me that. And he said, he, said, he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no. He said, really, you don't know who I am? I said, no. And about that time, our grandkids come out, and they're standing next to us. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, do you like Space Mountain? I said, yeah, I love Space Mountain. He said, follow me. I said, I got all the grandkids, and we started following he took us over to Space Mountain, went to the back of Space Mountain, opened up a secret door. I said, hmm. And so we opened us, and we followed him through these tunnels that I'd never been in before. Uh, and I, we went all the way. We got to the front of the line of Space Mountain. And he said, he said, uh, he said uh, to the operators, he said, would you please put my friends on next? And they said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. This guy's somebody. And so he, uh, they put us all on, and we were, we were the next people on Space Mountain. We rode that ride. I thought, that was amazing. Who was that guy? Who was that guy? And, and we got off the Space Mountain. I thought, man, that was great. Wasn't that wonderful? And we, we're walking up the, the stairwell out of Space Mountain, and, 
And there he is. He said, did you enjoy that? I said, yeah, that was great. He said, do you like Star Tours? I said, yeah, I like Star Tours. He said, follow me. He took us over to a secret door that goes into the back of Star Wars, walked us to the very front of the line, and he said, these are my friends. Would you please let them on? They said, yes, sir. And we got on Star Tours. I'm standing there thinking, who in the world is this guy? This is amazing. And no, you cannot have his name. And uh, so he, he, he got us on, and he, 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 took, us, he took us through. Uh, uh, we went through Star Tours. I thought, that was amazing. I got off there. He said, and there he's waiting. He said, did you enjoy that? I said, yeah. He said, do you like to go through, uh, do you like uh, Astro Blasters? That's where Buzz Lightyear is killing people. I said, yeah. He said, let's, let's go over there. So we went over there. He took me to the front of the line. He got us on the front of the line. It was amazing. After we got off there, he's still there. I said, man. He said, man. He said, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. I said, yeah. He said, uh, he said, listen, I'd like to stay with you all day long, but, you know, I've got things to do. I said, no, you can stay with us. I, uh, I'll buy you lunch, you know. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said uh, but what's the next thing you want to write? I said, uh, well, and the kids said, uh, 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 Thunder Mountain Railroad. I said, okay, Thunder Mountain Railroad. I said, okay. So he said, well, here. And he took a piece of paper out, and he wrote on this piece of paper. He wrote his name. He wrote some other things. He said, what you do is you get to Thunder Mountain, and he said, you just walk by all the crowd. All of you just walk by the crowd. He said, and go up to the very top, go to the front of the line, and give them this piece of paper, and they'll let you on. I said, okay. So I, I got it. I, I walked, walked all the way to the other side of the park. We got up there, and we, there was a huge, huge line out in front of uh, Thunder Mountain, and I thought, man, all the way out. And it said like an hour and a half, two-hour wait. I don't know, whatever it is. And I thought, hmm, well, I guess I'll just stand here in the back of the line because I want to be polite, and so I'll just stand here. And I sat there for an hour and a half waiting throughout the line. Do you think I did that? No. No. I walked by those people, and they're looking at me like, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I said, I'm a friend of Jeff's. That was his name, by the way, but you don't get the last name, and I got his business card. You can't have it. <clears throat> Say, how, could, how come you could walk by the line? Listen, listen. I was set free from the curse of the line. <laughs> I didn't have to stand in line. I'd been delivered from all of that. And what Paul is saying is this, look, you've been delivered. You don't have to stand in the line. Is the law still there? Yeah, there's hundreds of people under the law. There's hundreds of people under the line. They're, they're, they're standing there. But you bypass that because you got saved by grace. You need to understand what he's saying. You are free from the law, from the bondage. And he makes that absolutely clear. And he wants you to understand that. Now, when he says that, he wants you to understand there are people, there were people that watched us walk by them in that line, and you know what? They despised us. They said, what, who, what's going on with that? I remember as a kid when Burger King first opened. You've got to be old to remember when Burger King first opened. But I, I remember it first opened, and they said there was this, this hamburger that it took two hands to hold. 
And I wanted one of those. And instead of costing 25 cents, it was 50 cents for this hamburger. But I got me 50 cents, and I went to Burger King, and, and there was a line of people at Burger King. I didn't know anything about the lines. I didn't know any of that. I just saw there was a window open, and I ran up to the window. And I remember a kid, a, a man, saying, that must be the owner's kid. Well, I wasn't the owner's kid. I just didn't know the rules. And so I ran up to the front, and the guy served me. I want you to understand, you're the owner's kid. You are been delivered. He owns it all, and he wants you to understand that so that you can live free. You have been set free from the bondage. They, they, those, those, those around you want to control you. They get angry because be, uh, of, 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 at you because of what you're doing. Don't let it stop you from enjoying the liberty that God has given you. Now, let's take a look at what, what else he says. He says, he warns us. Once he tells us about our freedom, he says, listen, I want to warn you, you can be led astray. And being led astray can be very, very dangerous. So he talks about those who would lead us astray. In verse 12, it says, brethren, I beseech you, for I am, uh, I beseech you, be as I am. He said, look, don't get led astray by somebody else. Be like me. And then this is a very fascinating verse. He says, for I am as you are. He said, you be like me. Stop trying to be like them, those Judaizers that are trying to throw you under the law. You be like me. Why? Because I'm like you. Look, I came to where you are, and I became like you. I was a Jew, but I became a Greek that I might win the Greek. I, came, I became a Gentile that I might win the Gentile. I became under the law so I could reach those that were under the law, but I went out from underneath the law so I could reach people out from underneath the law. Don't let somebody throw you back under the law. He says this, be like I am, for I am as you are. And he says this, and you've not injured me at all. What is he saying? He's saying, look, I became like you, and it didn't hurt me a bit. I became like you. I was the Jewish guy that was against the, gra the whole grace message, but I got saved, and I became like you so I could bring you to where I am. And you know what? It didn't hurt me a bit. But it's going to hurt you if you go back underneath the law. Don't let yourself be taken back underneath the law when you've been set free. Be like I am. He said, follow me, because I'm like you, and I brought you to him. <laughs> and it didn't hurt me a bit. It didn't hurt me a bit. Then he says this. He says, you, you know how through infirmity of the flesh. He begins to talk about his physical problems. Paul said this. He said, I, I have an infirmity that I went and I talked to the Lord about three times. I said, would you take this out of my life? And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to allow you to have this physical problem. He had a physical problem. Some people think he was crippled, bent over. Some people think because of what we're about to read that he had a problem with his eyes, that he got this eye infection when he first saw Christ and that, that, that it affected him and it affected, his, it affected his facial appearance. We don't know what it was, but there was a physical affliction that he had. He says this, brethren, uh, he says, uh, he says ye, you know how through infirmity of my flesh 
I preached the gospel unto you at first. When I first got there, I was physically, had this physical problem. And he says, my temptation, that trial that I had in my flesh, you despise not. You didn't look down at me because of this problem that I had nor rejected, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ, you re, uh, the angel that means a messenger, you, you received me as a messenger of God, even like you would of Jesus Christ himself. Where then is the blessedness you speak of? You used to listen to me, you used to love me. Where's that gone? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Again, that's why people think that he had an eye problem. Um, he said, am I therefore become your enemy because I told you the truth? I told you the truth about salvation by grace, are, and, and it's contrary to what all these people who are trying to lead you astray has, has been, have been teaching you. Do you. Are you now looking at me as your enemy? He says, they zealously affect you, but not well. That is, they're, they're, they're excited about getting you to be part of them. But they're not doing it. They're doing it that they can exclude you that, you, that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. What he's saying is this. These guys are coming along and they're saying, hey, you can, you can get under the law. You need, to become, you need to get under the law. These were Jewish people who were saying, you need to become like us. And he's saying the only reason they're doing that is because they want to do, have dominion over you. They want to control you. They want you under their control. And so they're trying to get you to get involved in circumcision and in keeping the law and keeping days and times and years. They're trying to do that because then they have power over you. Don't let it happen. And then he says, I wish I was with you so I could change my voice. What he's saying is, I wish I was there so I could say, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I wish I was there so I could, so I could show you that what you're doing is not good. I would like to be able to change my voice so you could understand how important it is that you not get pulled back under the law. You can be led astray. You get to a point where you're looking at everybody else and say, that person's really not a Christian because they're not doing this. That person's not really a Christian because they, they're doing that. That person really can't be saved because they're doing this. And then you can start looking at yourself and say, man, I wonder if I'm saved or not because I have a hard time with this and I have a hard time with that. And you put yourself under the law and you're under bondage and your freedom is gone. He said, don't let that happen to you. Remember, you can be led astray and don't let yourself be led astray. Then he says this. His last point is, you are free, so enjoy your freedom. God wants you to enjoy your walk with him. It's not something you endure. Oh, I had a friend. His name was Randy. Randy went home one day. He was in church on, in the morning, went home to his uncle, and they had a party at their house, and they were there during the day, and they were watching baseball all day in the afternoon. Baseball's a great thing to watch. They were playing baseball. After the end of the baseball game, or not be, but before the baseball game ended, he said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to church. And his uncle looked at him and said, Randy, you're going to church again? Again? And Randy looked at him and said, let me ask you a question. Are you watching baseball again? <laughs> and his uncle said, I love baseball. And Randy said, that's the point. 
I love to be in church. It's not a matter of I got to go. It's not I, I have to serve. It's not I have to do. I love being with God's people. I love hearing the Word of God. I love being in church. It's a joy to serve the Lord. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. And that's where he gets into this story. That's where we get this illustration. Look at it. Look at the last few verses of this chapter. He said, for it is written in verse 21, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, Hagar, and the other a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was of the promise. Which things are an allegory for, for these are the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is. It's Mount Sinai is now Jerusalem on this earth and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is from above, this is you and me, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the de desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now, ye brethren, now we, brethren, as, as Isaac, are children of the promise. But as we, as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now, nevertheless... What saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, you are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And what he's saying is this. You need to grab a hold of this truth. <clears throat> you need to understand this. That if you put yourself, if you say, in order to get saved, you've got to do this, or you've got to add this. If, if, it's, if you're adding church membership, if you're adding baptism, if you're adding good works of any kind, if you're adding whatever you're adding to this, you're putting yourself over here. You're putting yourself under the flesh. You're putting yourself with problems. You're filling yourself. You're, you're, you're allowing the law to dictate to you. You're going to feel like you're under bondage. And every time you do something for God, it's because you have to. And you're going to not enjoy your life. You're going to be self-serving. And you're going you're gonna to be, be a curse to others. Others are going to say, who wants to be with that person? Who wants to be with that person? Who wants to be with that person? But if you just claim the fact that just like Isaac, you have the promises of God. You've been saved. You've come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know you died for me. Please give me eternal life. And you grab the fact that you're saved, not by good works, but totally and completely by grace through faith. Then you're going to have the liberty to live right. It's not going to be a problem for you to live righteous life because it's him living his life in you and you're going to wind up serving others and you're going to be a blessing to others and god wants you to live under grace and not under the law you need to make a commitment to that say lord help me help me to live understanding who i am so others can see you in me father i pray that you'd help us to take these truths and apply them God, we don't have to stand in the line. 
We don't have to be in bondage to all of that stuff. We can enjoy what you have created for us. Help us to enjoy what you've made for us, to live in your freedom. I pray, Father, if there's somebody here that's not saved, I pray that before they, get, they leave here, that right now, today, they'll get saved. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now, for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.